Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here. Um, It's wonderful to worship the Lord uh, together. And for those of us who are at home virtually, it's wonderful that you're tuning in this morning. Um, We are continuing our series on the R's of righteousness. And to me, I'm very excited that we're doing this. Because sometimes we get sort of bits and pieces of the scripture, but what I love is through this lesson, we're basically focusing in on what it truly is to serve the Lord, as well as how do we receive his blessings in our lives. And even those of us, I reflected last week, who have been baptized and have given our lives to Christ, even when I came into the church, I still kind of missed the whole meaning. And it's been so beautiful, you know, the last couple of weeks, and as I've studied moving forward in our future lessons, so stay tuned, how the scriptures kind of open up. And even now, you know, years and years into the church, I'm still learning. And that's our hope for all of us here, is that we start to pull these things together and that our journey with the Lord continues. So just kind of a brief recap. If you remember, our righteousness this morning comes from Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do on our own and other than submitting to him and letting his righteousness shine in our lives. And our first R, who can remember this morning what that was? Reflect. So the very first thing that we need to do is we need to look inward in our lives. And Brother Pete so beautifully pointed out that, that analogy of looking at ourselves in the mirror every morning. And do we truly see what's going on there? Or do we just kind of acknowledge it and walk away? So our, the first step is acknowledging our mistakes. Not only that, but acknowledging the good things in our lives, the things that we're doing right. And, on, and then going from there and letting the Lord uh, enter in our hearts, help us search out those things that we can improve on. Followed up by last week, does anyone, anyone remember? Our next R repent. And one of my new favorite Greek words is metanoia. And it's identifying that we need the change, but more importantly, a complete change, a 180 degree turnaround. And it's letting Jesus Christ into your life, transforming you into something completely new. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is we do that when we commit our lives to him. But then the apostle Paul talks about we must die daily. And every day we need to go about this, that what is it am I missing? What are the things that I have done that I can improve on? And how can I let Jesus Christ in to allow me to change, to give me the strength to change and let him change you, let him guide your life? And I was thinking this morning about that reflection when I looked in the mirror and I think back at that young 17-year-old kid and I go back even further into that 14-year-old kid and I want to go back and talk to him, me, my, myself. And do you, ever, do you ever do that and say, gosh, I wish I can go back and talk to my old self and say, what are you doing? Where are you going? Who are these friends that you're hanging out with? And do you feel guilt or kind of ashamed of some of those things that you did once upon a time? How do we cope with that? That's what we're going to find out today. So I look forward to what God has in store for us. I look forward for his spirit uh, blessing us here. With that, I'm going to have Brother Pete come up and open us in prayer. And we look forward uh, to being a blessing to the Lord today. Why don't we all rise?
Let's all bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, this morning as we are in your house, and uh, it's so good to be in the house of God uh, today after a very busy week, Lord, and um, uh, this is just a place of peace and of quiet, a place of certainly reflection, a place of repentance, and a place, Father, where we could learn how to surrender unto the righteousness of Jesus. And how he taught us, Lord, to fulfill all righteousness was simply to follow and surrender the, to the commandments of, of you, our Father, which is in heaven. And Father, we need help with that. That's why we're studying this beautiful topic. We need your spirit. Our flesh gets in the way. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know, because you revealed it to us through your holy word. And we know that your beautiful word says this morning that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, to those that walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And we're trying, Lord, as we're journeying to mature Father in Christ, which is what perfection is, learning Father to grow in Jesus until that day, Lord, when you call us unto perfection, which is eternal life and in the paradise of God. Until that day, Lord, we are committing all of our hearts to you that we want to grow in Christ every day and in his righteousness. And so how excited we are for this topic, how excited we are, Lord, to be in your house, how excited we are that we invite you into this, into this service today. Bless Brother Austin as he expounds on the third R and that words that come from his mouth might come from your throne. And through inspiration, Lord, um, even though we prepare and we study, Lord, we know that your inspiration is the indispensable qualification of a minister preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bless him today, Lord. Bless our afflicted. Bless the church of Jesus Christ, I pray. Bless us, Lord, that we might be a beacon light in this dark world that we live in and that our church might be a city set upon a hill and that it might be shining bright unto people that are looking for direction. And this morning, I even pray that you'd bless our wonderful nation, our country, the USA. Bless our new president-elect, Lord. I pray that you'd inspire him and our leaders. Pray, Lord, that your will would be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven, and that with all that is going on, Lord, we might see Jesus lifted up. And if not now, Lord, may we wait patiently and ever be a part of the work of the Lord to point people to Christ because we know your promises are true and that he will be lifted up. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And so may, bless us, may you bless us today. We wait upon you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Guess I better do this first. <clears throat> I call that mask phlegm. People don't like to hear that, but that's what I think it is. It's mask phlegm. That's all I get in my throat all the time. Dude, at work all the time, too. Start talking, get a mask phlegm. <clears throat> well, good morning. 
it's good to be here, and uh, as Brother AJ uh, gave us a, a brief introduction to, um, uh, or I should say a recap of what we have been discussing, um, he kind of gave you a peek at the teacher's notes before you're about to take a test. So you should feel pretty good right now. <clears throat> because uh, I, I knew they were going to do a, a recap, which is fantastic. And, um, and just quickly, um, again, I will just remind us that our first lesson was that we need to reflect. And secondly, repent. And today, so you might be thinking, Brother AJ didn't actually say the word, but um, it's another R word. And it's not... Um, an easy one. Sounds easy, but um, I think it's one that personally I struggle with probably the most. And, you know, there's times where we struggle to repent, and there's times where we struggle to, to really take that look in the mirror and reflect. Um, but this one is we have to release. And so we're going to talk about that today. And, and remember, the context of all of this is that we would prepare ourselves for the blessings of the Lord through his righteousness working in our lives. And so that's the premise for all that we're going to discuss today. Uh, and we've got a lot to uncover, so I'm going to get going. All right, so as I've been doing recently, and to me this just helps me to get a concept in my mind, help me to understand um, I'm going to go and I'm going to look for a definition of what does this word release even mean. So you got a, a Merriam-Webster uh, definition. This is a verb. It's another action verb. And so I'm going to remind us those first two things we talked about. We have to reflect and we have to repent. And those are action items. Those are things that, that we need to do. And so here we've got another one. We need to release to set free from restraint, confinement, or servitude. You might think of a prisoner in this regard. To relieve from something that confines, burdens, or oppresses. And as we look at that, and as we read those couple of definitions, and there were, there were a few other uh, things that didn't quite relate to uh, where we would go today, it talked about like a release of a football, a football player, they release a football, a pitcher has a certain release point um, when they pitch a pitch. I didn't throw those in there because they didn't really tie in, but I'll, I'll mention them anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to take uh, a look at the scripture, and we are going to uh, look at three examples today of this concept of releasing and what it takes to be able to do that. And so the first one we're going to look at today is um, Elisha and his servant in Dothan. All right. And uh, I think this scripture has been referenced. I think I've even referenced this scripture here recently, I would say within the last six months. Um, uh, as, as we've been meeting, it's hard to believe we've been going on this almost going into our ninth month now of virtual meetings and, and having uh, this situation before us. And... I don't know about you, but in, in a lot of ways, you go back to that definition um, to set free from restraint. Well, I don't know about you, and, and sometimes I just feel restrained by this thing, do we not? Um, you know, it's, it's tough. 
And it's hard for us to get past it sometimes. And so um, this story, as I've referenced, and, and I think some of our other brothers have even preached on this and referenced this story as well. Um, Elisha is a servant of God. He's a, he's a man of God. He's a prophet. He was uh, a servant unto Elijah and was a faithful servant to Elijah. And really, he is the one that saw Elijah, Elijah taken up into heaven. Elisha viewed that. And so to think about that, and you know, here he was studying under Elijah to become this man of God and to be a servant of God and following after God's ways. <clears throat> and he sees this miraculous thing. His mentor, his, his brother, his friend, it's taken up into heaven. He doesn't die like most people. He's taken in, up into heaven. So he's got kind of this history. And so he is a man of God for the king of Israel, uh, the northern hemisphere, if I remember correctly. And so um, he, they are in battle. And the way this story goes, and we're, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit because we, we don't have enough time to get through three scriptures. And there's another scripture, too, that we need to get to as well. So uh, we've got a lot of scriptures to dive into. But if you remember, the king that they are fighting is getting really upset. He thinks that one of his people is giving and feeding information to the other side. Because every plan that he designs, he talks about in his chamber, it says, and every plan is thwarted. And it's thwarted by Elisha, who knows and understands What's going to happen before it happens? And so he alerts the king of Israel. Well, don't go there. They're laying in wait for you there. Don't go that way. And so they don't go that way. And so if you think about this king, obviously he's getting pretty upset about what's transpiring. Do I have uh, 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 somebody in my ranks who's not loyal to me? Do I, you know, what is going on? And so he calls all his, his men together, and in the 13th verse, uh, he, he, you know, he says, well, it, it's not one of us, it's this guy, Elisha, who's doing this and doing this. And so the king says in the 13th verse, and he said, go and spy where he is, meaning Elijah. Where, where is this guy, Elijah, that I may send and fetch him? And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots... And a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So in the, in, the, uh, in the night, the king says, oh, I know how to take care of this. I'll send all these chariots and all these men, and they're going to surround the city. That way this guy can't escape, and I've, I've got this guy. All right? Then we get to the 15th verse. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early... So this is not Elisha. This is Elisha's servant. So as Elisha was Elijah's servant, Elisha has a servant as well, and maybe an understudy or uh, certainly somebody that is being used, okay? And he goes out, Behold, and a host compassed the city, both with the horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What are we going to do? So he goes out and he sees this scene where they're basically surrounded by the enemy. Chariots and horses and, and men of war. And, and what are we going to do? 
Well, I think that's a pretty appropriate answer. I think I find myself there oftentimes. What am I going to do, whatever the situation is? Obviously, I'm not being surrounded by chariots and horses, but maybe it's just fear or anxiety or whatever it is. Sometimes these things come upon us and it's like, what am I going to do? <clears throat> and he answered, Elisha, remember, this, this man has seen the righteousness of God. He understands how God works. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Hmm. Okay. And Elisha prayed, takes it a step further, that he might show this servant his, his understudy, what, he, what it is that he sees. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite these people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. So, um, you know, the scene kind of takes a turn here. You know, here's the servant. Master, what are we going to do? We're, we're encompassed. The, the fear and the anxiety and all those things start to set in. That um, confinement and, and all that stuff that was in those definitions starts to come in. And what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? And obviously, it's kind of self-preservation, I'm sure, at some point. Like, whoa, you know, this is scary. And Elisha... It's like he doesn't even hesitate because Elisha had such a vision of what God had in store. He had such a vision of the righteousness and deliverance of the Lord. He prays so that the servant would then see. And, you know, as part of this, in, in using this uh, example first, I wanted to just show that we need to surround ourselves with people who have clear vision of what God has, God has in store for us in our life. If we want to find release in our life, it might, it's, and, and the other point I want to make, the release didn't come for the servant of the fear and all that. It didn't come from Elisha. He looked to Elijah, who he was surrounded with, and he knew he was a man of God, but the deliverance came from the Lord. The deliverance came from the Lord. <clears throat> the release of all of those things. And so the story goes on. And as I read there in the 18th verse, got a little ahead of myself. Um, Elisha prays that as this army comes down upon them. So you just kind of have this picture where they're coming down out of the mountains. And they're down in this little valley and they're coming after them. Elisha prays boldly to the Lord. Strike them. Not that they die, but with blindness. And the story goes on, and we're not going to keep reading. Um, you know, Elisha basically, as they come down, they're blinded. And they say, well, the men that you're looking here for aren't here. This isn't where they live. 
they're over here. Let me take you to where they are. And he takes them to Samaria, where the Israelite army is housing at the time. So he walks this army through blindness, and obviously I think they could see, they just didn't have comprehension of what they were seeing. And so he leads them right into the camps of the children of Israel, of the armies of Israel, I should say. And, you know, the story goes on a little bit more because you would think, oh, well, God sent them there so that the Israelite army would destroy them. But that's not what happens. Because the king even comes to, to Elisha and he's like, surprised, how did you get these guys here? And what am I supposed to do with them? And Elisha, in a type and shadow of what Jesus Christ has done for us, he says, feed them. Not destroy them, feed them and send them on their way. And so that's what the king does. And, you know, ultimately they end up coming back against, because the king of the, uh, I forget what the name of it. Assyria, yeah. Uh, he, he's not happy with this, and so he sends him back to fight. But, but in a type and shadow, it shows us that this servant had this anxiety, had this confinement, had this fear come upon him in such a way. And he looked to this friend that he had, this guy that he knew. So it's so important that we encircle ourselves around with people who have a clear vision of the righteousness of Christ. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to go back and we're going to look at uh, another scripture now. A little bit different example, and one I think we can all relate to a little bit. Uh, I hope you can relate to the servant of Elijah, Elisha. And um, again, I think this one we can certainly relate to. So our next example is going to be uh, the brother of Jared on the shores of Moriankimer. And so you might think, oh, that's an interesting one. And uh, <clears throat> yet this is, in a mighty way, I want to kind of show, not only did God miraculously um, heal, or not heal, uh, preserve Elisha and the servant, and ultimately we heard the story in the type and shadow um, of what that represented. But here we have Jared and the brother of Jared, who at the t time of the confounding of the languages at, tower, at the Tower of Babel, um, he prayed to the Lord that, that they would be preserved. And God hears their prayer and he sends them. And so they're traveling through the wilderness. And, and this is a miraculous story in and of itself because this isn't just, oh, you know, Brother Jared, he offered this prayer and they kind of felt, had this feeling that the Lord was directing him here. And, you know, sometimes, don't you feel like that? Sometimes like we, we don't really get clear direction. We want clear direction as to where the Lord wants us to go. And uh, Brother Pete even referenced that sometimes we, we allow ourselves to get into this gray area and, and we want things to be black and white so it's much easier for us to understand. Well, listen to how God was interacting um, with these folks in the uh, second chapter of Ether, the fourth verse. And it came to pass that when they had come into the valley of Nimrod, the Lord came down and talked with the brother of Jared. And he was in a cloud, and the brother of Jared saw him not. 
In the fifth verse, um, you know, he, he begins to con- command them to go out, in, go through the wilderness, go this way, and uh, uh, towards the end of that. And it came to pass that the Lord did go before them and did talk with them as he stood in a cloud and gave directions whither they should travel. And uh, in the sixth verse at the end, it says, being directed continually by the hand of the Lord. In the seventh verse, and the Lord would not suffer that they should stop beyond the sea in the wilderness, but he would that they should come forth even into the land of promise, which was choice above all other lands, which the Lord had preserved for a righteous people. A righteous people. That's a key portion of that scripture. The righteous people. And where does our righteousness come from? All these acts that we do? All these uh, R's that we're talking about? No, it comes from Christ. And we have to take those action steps and we have to remember that it's through Christ that we receive this. That's where the righteousness comes. Well, I don't know about you, but man, I wish I was the brother of Jared. To have the Lord come down and talk with me and basically walk next to me in a cloud. I can't see him, but he's there. And he's telling me, oh, go to the left, go to the right, Go through here, go this way, go around this mountain, go over this one. I, I, I wish I had that. You know, and for me, I would think, if I had that kind of relationship with the Lord, I would never want to let him down. I would never want to sin against him. I would never want to forget about him. This was miraculous what was transpiring here with the Jaredites at this time. Yet brother of Jared and those that were with him were human, just like us. In the flesh, fallen creatures. Thirteenth verse of the second chapter. Uh, um, There's kind of an interlude here and halfway through this chapter. It says, and as they came to the sea, they pitched their tents and they called the name of the place Moriankimer. And they dwelt in tents and dwelt in tents upon the seashore for the space of four years. And it came to pass at the end of four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked to him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared and chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. And the brother of Jared, I'm going to stop right there. So as I said, you know, you think you, you're on this spiritual high, we're on this mountaintop, we, we're not going to come down from that. God's directing our path. We get to a shore, and it, I don't know if it just got comfortable. I don't know. But for years, for years, As I said before, we're entering our ninth month of this pandemic, and it seems like eternity for me. Four years he forgot to call upon the Lord. And I would assume those that were with him. The brother of Jared was kind of the spiritual leader and advisor of this group. But I just have to feel that, you know, four years he forgot to call upon the Lord. I don't know if he got complacent. I don't know if they got to the shore and they were just like, I don't know what else to do. 
Maybe the cloud went away and they just kind of forgot, how do I interact with God? I don't know. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to get reprimanded. Sometimes it happens at work, right? We get in trouble. We maybe say the wrong thing, make a bad decision. We got to, you know, we got to learn from those things and we try and move forward. Well, I don't know if I'd want a reprimand from the Lord speaking to me in a cloud for three hours. I don't know. Anybody want to sign up for that? And if you think about this, the brother of Jared could have gone a number of different ways. He could have hung his head. He could have been so swallowed up in, how could I have forgotten? Four years, what was I doing? And just been overcome by this sin, to overcome by forgetting what God had told, wanted him to do. But no, he took that last step that Brother A.J. talked about last week. In the 15th verse, he says, And the brother of Jared repented of the evil which he had done and did call upon the name of the Lord for his brethren who were with him. Not only did he repent for himself, but he repented for those that he was with. Another type and shadow of what Christ would do for us. And the Lord said unto him, I will forgive thee and thy brethren of their sins, but thou shalt not sin any more, for ye shall remember that my spirit will not always strive with man. Wherefore, if ye will sin until ye are fully ripe, ye shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. So he repents, and I, I, I believe, because we know how the story moves forward, he repents with real intent. He is indeed sorrowful for the sin that he has committed. And the Lord blesses him. And, you know, we can, time doesn't permit, but we can go ahead and read the story. God reveals himself in such a powerful way to the brother of Jared as he tells them that they must build barges. And so he builds these barges. And then, you know, miraculously, the brother of Jared, a bright man, obviously, maybe Jared along with him and, and those that were with them, hey, these are going to be dark. There's no way to see. And they take these 16 stones. And he goes and he prays to the Lord. Lord, you told us to build these barges, but we don't want to go across the seas in the dark. And the Lord can't um, contain the belief that the brother of Jared has. And so that's what I want to focus on today is when we go to the Lord and we repent with real intent, then we have to release that sin. Do you think the brother of Jared, sure, maybe he thought about that seashore and the four years every once in a while. Maybe he remembered, like Brother AJ said even this morning, you know, sometimes we want to go back and tell our younger selves, why are you so dumb? Why, what are you doing? We think about that. And I'm sure maybe the brother Jared reflected upon that from time to time, thinking, I never want to get to that way again. I don't want to go back that way. And God cannot contain himself, and he stretches forth his finger and touches these 16 stones to give them light, that they would have light in their vessels. And he reveals to him, Jesus Christ, that he's coming in the flesh. Because the brother of Jared's like, what am I seeing here? 
God can do marvelous and wonderful things with us in our life. Yeah, we're going to fall. There's going to be those times where we've got the four years. There's going to be those times where we fall short. And maybe it's not four years, but what I'm saying is the sin. Sometimes sin will come before us, or maybe it clouds our judgment. And we get to a point where we forget to call upon the Lord, and we forget to do that. And what this story tells me today is that God, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, is merciful and a deliverer of these things. Because if he wasn't, what transpires in the next few chapters would never have happened. If God was not a loving God and didn't want to help the brother of Jared release this this sin and this guilt and the pain that I'm sure that he felt, as I know that I feel when I sin and fall short of the glory of God, it weighs upon us. It's heavy. But God can remove that. And that's what this story tells us today, that he helps us to release those things. All right. One more example here. Sometimes the examples need to go. We need to see the other side of what happens. So we are going to look at a story of Judas Iscariot. And I think we all are familiar with... uh, who Judas Iscariot is, Um, called of God, not forget that, called of God, walked the earth during Jesus' ministry, witnessed miracles, just like all the other apostles, was there in the upper room, having his feet washed by the Savior. having already put in his heart what was going to happen. And, you know, this scripture, I think, you know, might be a little, uh, it's heavy. I, I don't know any other way to say it. It's heavy. Because as Elisha Look to a man of God for how are we going to get out of this? His friend and his companion. And he learned that day that Elisha had vision beyond what he had. And he knew the salvation of the Lord and the deliverance of the Lord. And God revealed to him in a powerful way. The brother of Jared had the benefit of going direct access to God, talking to him in a cloud, asking for forgiveness. And Judas, after he had betrayed Jesus, in the 27th chapter of Matthew, in the third verse, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, meaning Jesus, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver that he received for his, you know, revealing Christ to the soldiers, He brought these pieces of silver back to the chief priests and to the elders, saying, I have sinned 
and I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And so they basically dismiss him. And Judas cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And he went and he hanged himself. As I said, it's heavy. Sin can be a very heavy weight. It can cause us to be all confined, to be um, constrained. It can cause us to have hurts that are beyond what we can take or comprehend. And you might think, well, that's not a very encouraging part of the scripture, Brother Awesome. Why would you bring that? I mean, what kind of example is that? Because I think we need to understand when we don't look the right direction for release from our sin and our guilt. Judas went to those who paid him. He went to those that he was trying to return the money and he confesses his sin to them, but he doesn't go to the Lord to confess his sin unto him. And he can't take the weight and he can't take the pain and he can't take the guilt. And so he basically gives up. And I don't want anybody to get in that situation today. The Lord is there for us to look to, to seek repentance from. After we reflect upon our lives and reflect upon the things that are there before us, we must seek repentance and then we must find a way through Christ that we can release the guilt, the shame, the anguish. So, as this story relates to um, preparing our righteousness, being wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. We prepare ourselves to receive the blessings of God by releasing our guilt and condemnation from our hearts. That's what we need to do. We need to find ways to do this. We must not continue to carry the burden of guilt and a guilty conscience. The Lord has made some promises in this area, and they're found throughout the scripture. The mercies of God are new every morning. I mean, if you listen to any type of Christian song, any of our hymns, it talks about the unparalleled, matchless mercy of Jesus Christ. Psalms 103, um, 12, it says that God has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And You know, you might say, well, you know, is that the East Valley to the West Valley? I don't know. It's a a description of it's removed. Don't think about it. We receive the forgiveness of God freely without money, without price, and without our works. Jacob in 2 Nephi, the ninth chapter, he's 
he's been quoting Isaiah, and he, he proclaims, and it doesn't specifically call out, but this is the same scripture you, found in, you find in Isaiah 55.1. And, and he is just calling this out, that we can't buy our righteousness. It's not for sale. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his, um, his uh, letter to the Philippians, in the third chapter, the 12th through the 14th verse, he gives a very kind of clear reflection. We think about the Apostle Paul and his conversion and, and what a miraculous and powerful thing that it was. And he says, you know, that it was, it was uh, not, him, not of himself that he had grasped fully what Christ had done. He was still trying to attain, meaning he was still making mistakes. We think of the Apostle Paul kind of as a spiritual giant, never makes mistakes, never does anything, but he self-confesses. He reflects on his own life, and he understands, as Brother A.J. said, starting out, that he needs to die daily to the sin that so easily besets us. And listen to what he says, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things behind me. Let's forget those things that are behind us. And let's reach forward to what God has in store for us. There's another um, use of the word release. I'm going back to the definition. And this one's a noun. And you might think, well, it sounds pretty similar. Relief or deliverance from sorrow, suffering, or trouble. Discharge from obligation or responsibility. The action or an instance of liberating or freeing. Jesus Christ is our release. He is our release. And we can't look anywhere more appropriate to see this. And I, I, I know I'm going a little long, and I apologize for that. But you know what? This whole chapter needs to be read. 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Who, say, who, sorry, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall know. Sorry, shall grow. I better take my glasses off. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the ground of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when he shall and we and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Isaiah prophesying of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, 
we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in the land, or in his hand, sorry. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. Jesus Christ is that noun of release for us in our life. He is our release. He came, he died, he bore our sins, as Isaiah prophesies here, so that we can receive repentance, so that we can release these things, this guilt and this shame. Trials are going to come. They're going to continue to come. Don't get so wrapped up in it that we don't know where to turn or we turn to the wrong people like Judas did. Don't go that way. There's a song that um, I'm not going to play today, but uh, I wanted to at least throw it up here so you can, so you can read the words. It's called, I Will Go On. It's, uh, it's sung most often by the Gaither Vocal Band. Um, it says, I repent for moments I have spent recalling all the pain and failures of my past. I repent for dwelling on the things beyond my power to change the chains that hold me fast. That's the first verse. Second verse, I give up the bitterness and hate, the blaming men and fate of all my discontent, the guilt and pain I empty from my cup so that God can fill it up with his peace and sweet content. And the chorus goes, I will go on. My past I leave behind. I gladly take his mercy and his love. He is joy and he is peace. He is strength and sweet release. I know he is. I am his. I will go on. May God bless you today is my prayer.
What a wonderful message. What a wonderful reminder. <clears throat> I'm going to leave that, those verses up for you. And as Brother Austin was reading, I'd looked into going back to my notes last week. And I hear this beautiful verse as I repent of the moments I have spent recalling all the pain and the failures of my past. And Brother Austin read that very heavy scripture of Judas. And it says Judas repented, but it's not the repent that we've been talking about. It wasn't metanoia. It wasn't a change of heart. It wasn't a change of mind. It wasn't a 180-degree walk away from the life that he had lived. Simply, he felt remorse. He felt bad. He never changed his heart. How beautifully this song points out that when we change our hearts, when we let Jesus Christ in, and we become that new creature that he promised us he will make us, then we get this full picture. And those beautiful examples we heard today, this repentance of changing the person we were once, we once knew, the brother of Jared, you know, Elisha's servant, were different from the example that Judas gave us. Because a true repentance allows us to release. When we let Jesus Christ come into our lives and change us, we forget about those sins. We don't have to worry about going back and talking about talking to that 14-year-old AJ. We don't have to worry about going back and talking to the young Austin. We move on through the power of Jesus Christ that's in us. So I thank God for, again, this wonderful lesson, this course that we're going through. Um, and you see what a big picture we get of how good God is. Um, so with that, we're going to close in prayer as we end this portion of our service, and we'll go into our prayer request. Uh, let's all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who bore our sins, Lord, who went to the cross willingly. that each of us can give up that bitterness. We can give up our regret, our mistakes, and our failures, and we can cling to him. We thank you for his love and his mercy that is forever before us. And as oftentimes as we make mistakes, Lord, he forgives us. Words do not describe how much we love him for that. So Lord, I pray that you might fill us each with your spirit that we would grow closer to you, Lord. That there would be less of us in our lives and more of Jesus Christ within us. Lord, that this world might see his righteousness within us. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you. We pray for the many who aren't here today, the many who are sick and afflicted. I ask that you would go to their side. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.